I'm actually waiting for you to be here during the, the greed so I can pick on you, you know, but, but you're never here for the greed. And so, uh, <laughs> we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 14 to 33. Um, and this is an odd sermon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to acknowledge this is a sermon that sort of evolved as I wrote it. I intended to do one thing, and it ended somewhere else. And, and kind of as I've approached it, um, it, I think it's a timely topic, because I think um, we're, we're going to be looking at, at, um, at a situation that happened in Corinth uh, that Paul addresses in his first letter, and it's this point of stress that Christians in Corinth had in dealing with like like the community and how to be believers in the community they lived in. And I think we're going to see more and more of that in the next few years. I, I read a story last night, um, and I'm, I'm not sure if I agree or disagree with how these folks handled it, but uh, about a bakery in, in Washington, or in Oregon, it's in Oregon, that um, um, the, the owner is a believer, and they, they were approached to do a, a cake for, for a, a gay wedding. And they said, well, we, we don't agree with that, so we're not going to do it. You know, we're, we're sorry, you know, it's nothing, we don't hate you, we're just, we're just not going to do it. And I, I don't know, you could argue one way or the other about it, but they, they said, this is our conviction, this is what we're going to do. And um, they're, they're being sued now, um, and the state has told them we're going to levy fines against you by X number of dollars every time you do this. And they've received harassing phone calls and letters, and um, they, uh, they had a story run on them in the local newspaper where the, the Fuhrer had died down in the local newspaper, like, came up with this crazy thing where they called and asked for like a, a non-kosher barbecue cake and then they, they said, oh look, they're hypocrites because and like just Christians are kosher, I don't know why. But, but that started it up again and, and these guys, they're going to lose their business. You know, the interview I was reading, they said, look, you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're gone. You know, we're going to hold on and we're going to do everything we can but people don't even want our label on the box when they buy stuff from us because they're afraid of their neighbors. And we're, we're hitting an era where increasingly, like, being a Christian in the marketplace is going to be a, it's going to be a decision that folks make. Um, you know, in, in Big Sandy, Montana, we're probably fairly insulated, right? But, you know, the, the, the days are different than they were 50 years ago. Um, and, and what we're looking at here in First Corinthians, I'm going to give you a little background here. Corinth was a pretty big city. It was in Greece. I actually have a picture of it. Um, and... Or it's not a photograph, okay, so just be aware. It's an artist's rendition. Um, I didn't like the photograph that I found. <laughs> I didn't believe it. Um, the big thing I wanted to point out, um, this building in the middle that looks like the, uh, the Acropolis, you know, that's a temple. It's actually a temple to um, um, Apollos. And then actually the one right behind it that looks like a garden, it's not even, I wish I had a laser pointer. Um, but the, the one in the background there is a, is a temple to Aphrodite. And these are two of the oldest and largest temples to pagan gods in the ancient world. And, and it was a really big deal in Corinth that you participated in these, in these worship settings. The other thing that you'll notice is um, just to the left, there's the stable-looking building right next to the Acropolis. I, I really wish I had a laser pointer. Um, that's a market right next to the temple. And actually, next to all of the temple, there are all these markets. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like like you would have a grocery store next to a church today. You know, it, it doesn't seem very normal. Um, but there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, There's a lot of idol worship. There was a lot of this pagan religion that happened in Corinth. It was a very popular thing. Um, and people would actually travel to go to particularly the Temple of Aphrodite, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, many of the Christians in Corinth had been worshipers of these gods before they converted. Um, you had some Jewish converts, and you had a lot of folks who were Greeks, and they used to go to these temples, and they would worship, because everyone did, Right? 
Um, and, and probably the best way to think about that um, is like 1950s America where people went to church even if they didn't believe in God because you could go to church and sell a car there. Um, or <laughs> you could go to church and make business contacts or you would go to church and see all your neighbors and you could spend time socializing. You know, or, or in some places they even actually just served meals after church every Sunday and so you'd show up and you'd eat your meal and it was like this great community thing you did. And even if you weren't particularly interested in God, it was something you did because it's what everybody in town did. Um, and, and in this community, what was going on was, like, like these guys converted, and um, they're, by converting, they all of a sudden had this disadvantage in business, right? Because if I have, like, produce to sell, like that I'm selling to a, to a market or whatever, if I, if I have metal I want to sell, or if I have business contacts I need to make, the common place to do it was at the pagan temple. Well, if I'm worshiping Jesus, do I now go to the pagan temple to do business, or what do I do? The other thing that would happen, is my last bullet point on this, this slide here, um, is they would sacrifice a lot of animals. And those animals, like in, in the Jewish temple, either the priests ate or the, the meat was burned. And it was very strictly regulated by the Bible. It, for the pagans, not so much. You would sacrifice your animal and then you'd cook it and we would have a barbecue. And if there was excess, guess what happened? They sold it at the market. And so all of a sudden, Christians had this huge question they had to ask, well, what happens with that meat? Are we supposed to eat the meat that's been sacrificed to idols? Which, by the way, there are like three major brands of turkey. You know, you buy turkey at the grocery store that have uh, Muslim prayers said over them before they're killed so that they can put a little label on them to make it acceptable to Muslim eaters, right? And there was a, I read this article a few months ago about that, how this big controversy, like people are like, wait a minute, I'm eating turkey that's been prayed over by Muslims? Okay, you know, but, but this is a real issue now. Like, like, and increasingly so, and, and give it 20 years, and it'll be even more so. And, and eventually, you, every one of us is going to be in a spot where we're going to have to make decisions about how we're going to live out what we believe, or if we're going to live out what we believe. And these guys were facing that. Um, I mentioned that they were, you know, business contacts, social centers, restaurants. Usually, you would have a community meal there. The big thing that would happen, by the way, they would have their community meal, and you drink a lot, Right? Not going to make a Catholic joke. Um, <laughs> you, I'm sorry, I did anyway. Um, but but you would drink a lot of these things, and then all of a sudden, all that drinking would turn into like things that maybe you shouldn't be doing. Um, of course, the pagans they didn't care that much. They said, "Well, you know, we can have all kinds of parties, and it's just wonderful." Um, in particular, if you went to um, um, the Temple of Aphrodite, they would do animal sacrifice. But temple prostitution was also very popular. Um, and, and so, like, you would go to these places, and they, there was kind of some crazy stuff going on. And, and, you know, like, Christians are all of a sudden in the spot where they're like, well, what are we supposed to do? You know, how do we do our business now? What are we supposed to do? So they, they sent Paul a letter, and Paul responds. The first Corinthians is all, like, general questions, right? Um, if you read through it, you'll start picking out these general questions that were asked and answered. Like, like there's a question, um, there's a guy from our church who married his mother-in-law. Or not his mother-in-law, his father's wife. Is that okay? And Paul's like, yeah, don't, don't invite that guy over anymore. You like, stay away from him, that's not okay. You, you don't marry your, your mom for any reason. Like, just no. And, and there, there are a lot of questions like that. And amongst them was, how do we do business in this? What do we do with the temple? What do we do with the marketplace? Like, when do we go to buy meat? What are we supposed to do? What does God expect out of us? Um... So in this book, Paul is talking about all these answers, and he starts in on this long thing about Israel's history. And he talks about um, sin of idolatry. 
in the previous section. That's the beginning of chapter 10. There's this big, long section on idolatry and, and um, actually why it's so dangerous and why it's so damaging to believers. Um, and, and specifically, he talks about Israel in the, in the wilderness in Exodus and how they worship idols and how people were like, like making God very angry and some folks were wiped out and you had to get these terrible things that came along with idol worship. Um, in fact, actually, the first commandment, let's ask this, see if anybody knows. First commandment? No other gods. Yeah, no other gods, right? And the second commandment? Honor thy mother and father. No. It's don't make anything into an idol, right? And actually, the third one is uh, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, right? So the first commandment is nothing should be more important to you than God. The second commandment is don't take anything in the world and worship it instead of God. And the third one is, don't make yourself into God by taking God's name for you to use to say so. And a lot of times we think, oh, it's just about swearing with God's name. Actually, taking the Lord's name in vain is when you see somebody who stands up and says, God hates you, and here's why. That's taking the Lord's name in vain, right? It's taking God's name and using it for your authority when it ain't your authority to have. It's making you into an idol. So the first three commandments are about idolatry. These are huge, right? Idolatry, totally not okay. And Paul spells this out in, in this letter, in the first chap, half of chapter 10 there. He says, listen, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's a big, big deal. Um, it's a little, when I compare this to things in, in sermons, I, you guys have heard me say this a lot, um, worshiping something that isn't God is a little like spiritual adultery, Right? Like, if, if I start dating another woman and say, well, this woman is my more important woman right now, my wife would murder me, right? It, it's sort of along those lines. Um, nothing should be more important than God as, as far as worship is concerned. Um, so idolatry is one of the worst sins. It is, or is the worst of sins. It's spiritual adultery. And so the question arises, what should these guys do? And we're going to start in 14, 15. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 14, 15, if you're following along. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. So Paul starts out. He says, listen, don't do it. Everybody got that? It's not ambiguous. Not only don't do it, if you see it, run away from it. If you're looking at something, you say, this might be an idol in my life. You need to back up. Right? Nowhere near it. Um... And he says, listen, I'm going to speak to you as wise men because I don't think you're being dumb. These guys aren't acting dumb. They're asking because they're not sure. Um, we move on to 16 to 18. This is, is not the cup of blessing, which, is, which we bless in sharing the blood of Christ, um, is not the bread which we break in sharing in the body of Christ. So he says, listen, when we do communion, right, we gather up for our communion meals. And in the ancient world, like first century Christians, when they would do communion, this was a whole meal, Right? They would sit down and they would have like a dinner. And communion was part of that dinner. And, and it, it literally was like a community gathering. Beyond just worship, it was everything, right? Um, and so he says, listen, when we do this, when you do the bread, when you do the wine, isn't this the blood and the body of Christ? Is there just, you know, it's this one body, this one blood, like you are participating in this when you do communion, right? Isn't that how it works? So he's putting this in front of them. They know what it is, and they're clear on it. By the way, he's intentionally drawing a parallel to the pagan worship, right? Pagan worship, they would eat their meat that was sacrificed to the idols, and they would have their community meals. And Paul is saying, you're one community, you're one as the body of Christ when you do this, right? And you're a part of the body of Christ when you do this. Um, since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, 
for all who partake in the one bread. Like So he says, listen, for we all partake in the one bread. So if you do this communion thing, you're part of the body of Christ. We're all one together, right? For we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Um, are not those who eat the sacrifices shares in the altar. So he goes back to the Old Testament. He says, listen, when they would do their sacrifices, weren't they all Jews together? Weren't they all worshiping God together? Weren't they one nation together? And so it was that unity of worshiping God that made them a community, right? One together because they worship. And it was the meal around the altar that was the big deal here. So he's drawing the parallel. And he moves on. He says, listen, since there is one bread, we who are many are one body. We are, did I just read this part? Yep. Sorry? <laughs> um, Paul raises the question, how can a person who worship God also worship idols? Right? So he's building up to this. If you're worshiping God, if you're one body, how can you all of a sudden also be one body with pagans? Can you? Can you share the body of Christ into this like idol worship? No. So you don't get to go and worship stuff. Everybody with me? So if they build a pagan temple in the community, don't go. Everybody got that? I don't know where they put it. There's no land to build a building. Um, how can an individual who eats or drinks the elements, the Lord's Supper, participate in pagan worship meals? So when they ask, do we go? Paul says, don't go. You don't worship with pagans. You don't eat with them. You don't do that nonsense. Um, because you can't worship Christ and worship the pagan gods. Um, what do I mean then? The thing sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? So Paul says, what am I saying here? That, that anything that sacrificed to idols changes, like suddenly the, the meat becomes magic? No. Or that the idols are real gods? No. There's nothing to it, right? Because there is only one God. Um, no. But I say that all things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. So Paul says, listen, there are no, there are no pagan gods, right? There's no Apollos, there's no Aphrodite, there's no goddess of love, there's no, you know, all of this stuff, it don't exist. There are demons. Because like Apollos especially, they would do like um, prophecy was a big thing for the, the worshippers of Apollos. And so you would go to the, the temple and you'd be looking for like information. And the gods would give you information. And sometimes it was darn accurate information. And Paul's saying, yeah, it may be accurate, but it ain't God that's giving you accurate information. This is demons at this point, right? This is evil. It's bad. Um, stay away from it. Um, and I do not want you to become sharers in demons. Um, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do you provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are We, we are not stronger than he, are we? Um, so he says, listen, worshiping false gods isn't just worshiping a piece of wood. It's worshiping a demon. When you do that, you give a foothold in your life to something that's going to be terrible, right? Like, you, you, you're putting something there that's going to make, you know, it's going to be a problem. And once that problem is there, it don't go away. It's just there. Again, some of you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but there isn't a pagan altar here, right? Anybody have a little statue with a cow god on it? No? But there are a lot of cow farmers around here, are you sure? Nothing? Um, how does this apply? We'll get to that in a second, okay? Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, we can become enslaved to anything that we worship as an idol. This is part of the point Paul is making. Um, and worse than that, we make God angry. We provoke him when we worship anything that is not him. Um, so we're going to pause here. Now, how do I worship something that is an idol that isn't God? 
right, in our culture? Well, I'm going to tell you, the first one is nothing is more important than God, right, first commandment. Second one is don't take anything and make it into an <laughs> idol. Well, in the Old Testament, or like in the, in the first century, it was easy to find idols. They were everywhere. Like there are parts of the world you can go to, like in India, the Hindus, there are over six million gods in the Hindu religion. That's six for every household in India. Like individual gods. I mean, there's a lot to worship in that religion, right? Not so much around Big Sandy. And so, like, like, well, how do I do idolatry here? A lot of folks do it. Um, when something becomes more important than God, it's an idol, right? Um, money is one of the most common idols you're going to encounter. There are people that worship money because money is more important than anything. Um, family can become an idol. I know it's crazy to say that because we're supposed to love our family, right? But family can become an idol. When family is more important than God, family is an idol. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't love my family because I really do. Um, but I love my family in the context of my love for God. Um, not as an aside. Um, sex becomes an idol. I mean, I don't mean to be crass, but it just it can, right? There are people who spend all of their time sitting on the adult websites or, or visiting these things, and it becomes an idol, and we begin to worship that instead of God. Um, appearance. Anybody ever know anybody who worries more about how they look than anything else in the entire world? It becomes an idol. Anything that we worship instead of God is an idol. I know you might think that of me, but I look this good all the time. I don't have to try. Um, <laughs> somebody was thinking it, you know. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians 10, 23-24. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. What Paul is talking about here is what we eat, right? The law under Christ, we don't have to follow the kosher laws. I can eat whatever I want, right? Probably apart from other people. Um, but I can eat whatever I want. I can eat cows, I can eat pigs, I can eat lobsters. If I want, I can eat the crickets in my yard if I can manage to catch them. Um, I can eat dirt. You know, God's not going to have a problem with me eating anything I feel like. All things are lawful in that regard, right? But not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify, meaning all things are okay. But if I start doing stuff that's really out there and it damages the people around me, that's not acceptable, right? If I damage my brother believer because I'm doing something I'm free to do and it like causes his faith to stumble, that's not okay. Um, let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. So as believers, we're free. There's all kinds of freedom that comes in Christ, right? But if I use my freedom to damage other people, it's a problem. Um, and how is this happening? Well, um, Paul says, eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience' sake. So if you go to the meat market, and you're not eating at the temple, because that's out of line, don't eat at the temple, but you go to the meat market, and you find this chicken that's had Muslim prayer set over it, you can eat it. Period. Just don't ask where it came from. Because if you ask, you say, well, wait a minute, was this blessed by a Muslim? Then you might worry, right? If other people figure it out, and they're like, wait, you shouldn't eat that. That has GMOs in it, or so, I don't know. Um, don't eat it. it. Then you don't, because you don't want to cause your brother's faith to to be damaged. Does that make sense? And so I can eat anything I want. Why? Because what I put in me ain't making me unclean. It's where my heart is that makes me unclean. That's something that actually Christ said, right? What goes into the body doesn't cause uncleanliness. It's our own sinful desires and our heart and our idolatry that makes us unclean. Um, 
for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If one of the unbelievers invites you to go um, and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscious sake. So if you're invited to eat somewhere and they put meat in front of you, eat it. Why? Because it doesn't matter. But if anyone says to you, this meat has been sacrificed to eat idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. Meaning if somebody says, wow, that meat has been sacrificed to idols, now you're participating in our pagan thing. You don't eat it. Why? Because you can't. Right? Because it might damage the other guy. Not because it matters at all, because God's going to be mad at you and squish you because, you know, or, or I knew a gal in college who was convinced that things that she owned had demons in them. Probably not, right? Like, oh, I can't eat that. It's, it's got the devil in it. You know, it, it might not taste good, but it, it might make you fat, but it, it doesn't have devil in it. I mean, it doesn't happen. But you don't want to make other people think that worshiping God is anything less than it is. And if doing something that you're afraid do does that, don't do it. Everybody with me? I'm going to tie all this up at the end. I'm bringing it back. Don't worry. Um, um, I do not mean, I, I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another man's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Um, so we're free to eat anything that we want, right? Eating food is not worship, unless food becomes God. And some people, food becomes God, right? Um, but if it's not God, don't worry about it. Eat whatever you want. Um, don't damage the other people. The things that you put inside you don't stain your soul. It's your own wickedness. It's your heart. It's these things that damage us. Um, our first priority in the end, though, according to Paul, is the body of Christ, other believers. We want to keep them strong. And we want to bring other people to Jesus, right? This is a driving part of being a believer. Um, whether you eat, whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offense, either to Jews or to Greeks, or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that many may be saved. So Paul ends, he says, listen, um, whatever you do, eating, drinking, anything you do, needs to glorify God, right? The moment that happens, like, like you're in the running, the moment that stop happening, you, you start to veer off. Can I worship something that isn't God and glorify God through it? No. Can my new car be my God? Can my new house be my God? Can my better farm equipment be my God? Can, you know, the weather be my God? Do people worship the sun? Do people worship entertainment? Do people worship all of these things? Yes. Does that mean that I can enjoy the weather and say, thank you, God, for the weather? Of course. And I glorify God. It's not a God. Right? If I enjoy um, my family, but I enjoy my family and constantly say, thank you, God, for my family, and I love them in the context of my love for God, and I lead, lead them as a godly man, right? I'm okay. The moment I get out of line is the moment that it becomes God, and I stop doing everything I do to, to glorify God. Is everybody with me? Um, how does this play out? Well, my, my challenge for you, know, my, my request to you, my overall point here is, um, as we gather for the Lord's Supper today, right, because we're doing communion this morning, um, we're taking the body and blood of Christ, right? We're becoming one as the church. Um, you have brothers and sisters in this place, like spiritually. Um, spiritually, we are like an arm of Jesus, right? Like we stand together and we're like his arm, um, or his head, or his, or his neck, or some other part of him. Right? We are the body of Christ. Um, we're God's body in this world doing his work.
Now, as you prepare for this, I want you to look at your heart. And I want you to look at your life and maybe look at your checkbook and see where you're writing checks to and figure out where your money's going. Because like, what is it, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Because a lot of times people throw their money at their gods, right? Anybody ever know anybody who had a hobby that turned into their god? Right? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I love God, but not quite as much as I love fishing. Or I love God, but not quite as much as I love this. Um, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, ask yourself, what do I worship? Am I worshiping my stuff? Am I worshiping the folks I know? Am I worshiping my image? Am I worshiping my TV? Am I worshiping my kids? And if there are areas in your life that have stepped up and stand in a place that isn't theirs, but God's, um, I call on you to repent of it. And as you take the elements today, um, you know, recognize that we're forgiven. Even idolatry, even <coughs> spiritual adultery, we're forgiven. Because God loves us that much. And because Jesus' death for us, his atoning death on the cross, is everything. It covers everything. You can't sin big enough to make God say, okay, I quit. Get out of here. Because God's grace is just, it's never ending. All we need to do is repent. I'm, I'm going to call my guys forward who are doing communion. And maybe Larry or Rebecca or someone, she got down. <laughs> Larry's, Larry's doing music. Oh, Larry's going to do music. Unless you want to. <laughs> um, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we, uh, as we take the elements today, as we take the body and the blood of Christ, as we uh, do this, I pray that you would expose our hearts to you. I pray that your light would shine on us and that you would melt um, every part of us that's hard and every part of us that's in rebellion. Help us to recognize the body and blood of Christ um, and your sacrifice of your son for us. Um, as something that's worthy of worship, and any idols, any any um, any false gods that have arisen in our hearts or in our minds, Lord, I pray that you would you would help us take them and 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 pitch them out and be repentant and come to you with hearts of of um, hearts of, of um, just submission and love for you in Christ's name, Amen.